The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, June 16th, coming up today. Stocks around the world are on track for their best week since March. The Bank of Japan skirts global trends and holds its stimulus in place. Chinese President Xi Jinping meets with Microsoft founder Bill Gates. And Adobe is the latest tech company to ride the AI rally. A New York man charged in the stabbing death of another subway rider was released without bail, plus deadly tornadoes in a Texas panhandle town. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley shot 62s at the U.S. Open. The Mets host the Cardinals tonight. The Yankees are in Boston. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Here are the stories we're following today. Stocks enter the final day of this week on a winning streak. The S&P 500 has risen for six straight days, and it now tops the 4,400 level. The Dow is up almost 20% from its September low, while the NASDAQ 100 hit its highest level since March of 2022, thanks to Apple, NVIDIA, and Microsoft. And eToro, global market strategist Ben Laidler, thinks this rally has legs. I think the tech rally is completely justified. I mean, we're seeing the earnings value, the earnings growth numbers turning up, whether it's AI, whether it's cost cutting, whether it's investors looking for defensive growth. Um, I, I think this rally is increasingly well balanced. Ben Ledler at eToro notes global stocks are on track for their best week since March, but trading today could come with plenty of twists and turns. We will see a massive number of options contracts expire today in what is known as quadruple witching. And Nathan, the Federal Reserve remains largely in focus on the heels of this rally. Bets that the central bank will soon end its tightening cycle are fueling optimism. We may get more clues today. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard and Fed Governor Chris Wallers speak in Norway today. Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin speaks on inflation at an event in Maryland this morning. Well, so far, Amy, every Fed decision in this tightening cycle has been unanimous. And now Larry Summers warns diverging views that the central bank could blow it off course. We spoke with the former Treasury Secretary for the latest edition of Bloomberg Wall Street Week. I found the Fed's action a little bit confusing. This meeting felt like it was driven as much by the internal political dynamics of the Fed as by any consistent and coherent reading of uh, the economic situation. And that was a bit disturbing to me. Those comments from Larry Summers come after the Fed paused rate hikes for the first time in 15 months. Stay tuned for more of that conversation coming up shortly on the program. Central banks, meanwhile, also in focus in Asia. Overnight, the Bank of Japan held its stimulus measures in place. As Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis tells us, the BOJ is waiting for more sustainable inflation. 
Governor Kazuo Ueda left unchanged the BOJ's negative interest rate and yield curve control program. The yen immediately weakened against the dollar. Not that there was much doubt to any of this, as it was predicted by 44 of 47 economists we surveyed. Governor Ueda has said the cost of prematurely tightening policy could damage Japan's nascent inflation trend, and he's not willing to risk it. Still, speculation rumbles on that a tweak may be coming in July. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Brian. Turning to geopolitics now, Secretary of State Antony Blinken remains on track to travel to China this weekend. The nation's top diplomat will be in Beijing Sunday. He'll speak with several top Chinese officials during his two-day visit, including a possible meeting with China's President Xi Jinping. Meantime, President Xi has already met with another big name. Microsoft founder Bill Gates sat down with China's president in Beijing. She told the billionaire that China is willing to work with the world on technology innovation and pandemic prevention. Amy Henry Kissinger is weighing in on geopolitics tied to China. The former secretary of state says a military conflict over Taiwan is probable. That's if the current trajectory remains unchanged. The 100-year-old diplomat sat down for a wide-ranging conversation with Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite. On the current trajectory of relations, I think some military conflict is probable. But I also think the current trajectory of relations must be altered. Now you can hear the full conversation with former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger on Bloomberg Television. We'll have it for you tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Listen on demand on the Bloomberg Talks podcast. You can find that at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Turning back to the markets now, we're seeing shares of Adobe gaining this morning. They're up more than 3% in early trading. The company is raising its full-year outlook on optimism that artificial intelligence will spur software demand. We get those details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Adobe is the longtime top seller of software for creative professionals. It is adding generative AI features throughout its products. Last week, the company unveiled enterprise-level subscriptions for the new tools, which include legal assurance against copyright claims. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. We have news on Bank of America this morning. We're told the firm's commercial banking unit is seeing a surge in new clients. And Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has that story. It follows the failure of several regional banks in the U.S. during March. B of A says its commercial banking unit had an increase of 55% in new clients in the month of May compared to last year, and the momentum is expected to continue. Bank of America saying the unit is on track to report 50% growth in customer additions for all of 2023. That would be up from 35% in new relationships last year. And as a result, Bank of America is planning to bulk up staffing to keep up with demand this will include hiring senior bankers from outside firms. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Doug. Walt Disney losing a top executive, the company's chief financial officer, taking a family medical leave of absence, stepping down from a role as the at the world's largest entertainment company. Disney says Christine McCarthy will be replaced on an interim basis by Kevin Lansbury, the CFO of Disney's theme parks division. And this is Bloomberg. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A 20-year-old man accused in Tuesday's deadly subway stabbing of a passenger in Brooklyn was released without bail. 
Jordan Williams was charged with manslaughter and criminal possession of a weapon in the death of a homeless man, 36-year-old Victor Wedrogo. Witnesses say Wedrogo was harassing subway riders and at one point punched Williams' girlfriend before the deadly stabbing. Williams' attorney, Jason Goldman, told ABC7 it is a clear case of self-defense. You have two choices right now. You can sit there and get assaulted, and your friends or family or loved ones can get assaulted and seriously injured, or you can fight back and get arrested and maybe get charged, maybe go to Rikers, maybe get released. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? Williams' mother says that her son cares about life and is extremely remorseful. A deadly outbreak of severe weather. At least three people are dead and more than 100 injured in the Texas panhandle town of Perryton. A mobile home park took a direct hit. Perryton Fire Chief Paul Dutcher. Searching these areas, searching the debris fields, making sure we've got uh, people gathered up. Tornadoes were also reported from Oklahoma to Michigan. At least 15 people were killed and 10 others were hurt after a bus carrying more than two dozen people crashed into a semi-truck in Manitoba, Canada. Authorities say the bus crossed the westbound lanes of Highway 1 and was crossing the eastbound lanes when it collided with the semi. As drama continues with Republicans in the House, the country is potentially headed for another showdown on government funding in October. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. Even though a bipartisan bill raised the debt ceiling while cutting spending passed earlier this month, this is another battle, funding another round. Senator Lindsey Graham says not looking good. The chance of passing all the appropriation bills um, for the House and Senate agree on numbers almost zero. Graham says there is a big divide between the two chambers of the legislature. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. The Supreme Court, in a 7-2 decision, upheld a landmark law giving Native American families priority in the adoption of Native children. A white Texas couple had challenged the law as discriminatory on the basis of race. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. U.S. Open courses are traditionally known to be extremely challenging, even for the best golfers in the world. Not really the case at the L.A. Country Club. Ideal conditions led to two historic rounds of 62. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley. There had only been one 62 ever in any major. Brandon Grace, six years ago at the PGA. Shoffley was bogey-free. Fowler set a record with 10 birdies. He made five birdie putts more than 10 feet. I didn't really know or, or see uh, any scores and then I saw that Xander was at seven at that point um, and I'm not sure if he even knew where I was or anything but it was kind of cool to, to see if he did to see he you know kind of latched on and we were you know taking off a bit. Both Fowler and Shoffley have been chasing their first career major victory after numerous close calls, although Fowler had been in a deep slump the last two years. He had not even qualified to play the Open. Dustin Johnson, 2016 Open winner, only two shots behind the co-leaders, and Rory McIlroy, whose only Open victory was 12 years ago, trails by three. Round two today, the public money to help build a new stadium in Las Vegas for the Oakland A's. Now a done deal. It still needs the approval of the owners, but Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said he feels sorry for A's fans 
fans, but that there was no community sport to keep the team in Oakland. Yankees and Red Sox tonight at Fenway. Yanks first visit to Boston. Mets host the Cardinals, who are 15 games under 500. Homer Jones has passed away, a speedy Giants receiver in the late 1960s. And after a touchdown, Jones made history, becoming the first to then spike the ball. Homer Jones was 82. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. It has been quite the week on Wall Street. We are coming off six straight winning sessions for stocks. We saw a mixed U.S. inflation report. Headline prices cooled while core inflation rose. Traders saw that as dovish. And finally, we got a pause in rate hikes from the Federal Reserve, the first time they did not raise rates in 15 months. Let's take stock of it all now with Larry Summers, the Bloomberg News contributor and former U.S. Treasury Secretary, sat down for a conversation with Bloomberg's Romaine Bostic. Let's listen in to part of that right now. Larry, let's talk about the Fed meeting. More importantly, that Fed pause, not necessarily a surprise, but do you think it was appropriate? I'm not sure. I found the Fed's action a little bit uh, confusing. I understand the arguments for not hiking uh, this, at this meeting, but those arguments wouldn't point towards signaling two further rate increases. They wouldn't point towards significantly revising the forecasts towards a stronger economy and more inflation. I understand the arguments uh, for having gone the other way, but I don't really understand the internal consistency of an approach of pausing at this meeting, but then signaling two further uh, rate hikes down the road and signaling that they no longer expect unemployment to increase nearly as much as they used to expect it. So this meeting felt like it was driven as much by the internal political dynamics of the Fed as by any consistent and coherent reading of uh, the economic situation. And that was a bit disturbing. They raised some of their economic projections, or at least they improved a little bit here. But you still have a market that seems to be betting on this idea of a recession, the idea that the Fed itself may have actually over-tightened or at least is on its way to doing that. That would not be my best guess. Uh, I think it's very hard to read, but my best guess is that uh, the consumer, which is 70% of the economy, appears to be running really uh, quite uh, strong at this point. We've got very strong employment data, much faster than uh, population growth. The indicators on wages are a bit mixed, but the ones that seem most reliable to me that adjust for changes in the composition of the labor force are showing a substantial uh, strength. So I don't see the idea that we've got a durable 
reduction in, in inflation clearly established, nor do I see clear evidence of a slowing uh, coming. So in that context, uh, I think the Fed has probably got to maintain a posture of moving towards restraint. But I think that they ought to decide what their balancing of risks is. Mm -hmm. And I was struck that the balancing of risks that was implicit in not moving this time was kind of inconsistent with the balancing of risks that was in, that was signaled by the two tightenings and by uh, the forecast uh, revisions. I want to go uh, overseas uh, to China. Uh, they had a much different policy meeting coming out of the People's Bank of China, a cut. And there's been a lot of discussion here, Larry, about the health of the Chinese economy in light of the data we've gotten and in light of some of the reports by Bloomberg and others that they are considering uh, fiscal or at least some sort of economic stimulus measures to get that economy going back again. I think the Chinese have a very difficult uh, set of challenges ahead of them. There are very serious financial overhangs uh, coming out of what's happening in uh, real estate. I take a somewhat more medium-term view of it. And what's an economy about? An economy is about people and it's about capital. And what we know is that the number of births in China has fallen by almost 50 percent in the last six years. And we know that uh, Bloomberg reported that the number of millionaires leaving China was kind of high, high by historical standards and high by global standards. So whether it's uh, supply of people, investment in uh, new capital, I think you've got some fundamental bets that aren't running that positive. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed by 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, 
top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.